So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Uh, Nate Larkin here with uh, our good friend David Hampton. How you doing, David? I am doing okay. I uh, can't complain. I just have one little, one little minor. I could complain just a minute. Um, I'm recovering from shingles on my scalp. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Other than that, I'm great. <laughs> okay. Terrific. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. So, you know, uh, there's that. Uh, yeah. If you could get the shingles vaccine, uh, please do. It's not for the faint hearted. So, uh, mm-hmm. that's my plug. Oh, so I've heard. Yeah. Okay. And I have not gotten the shingles vaccine. Well, nor I've did seen... I actually. <laughs> <laughs> and voila. There yeah. you are. And I'm, I'm vaxxed and boosted and all this other stuff, you know, that we're all concerned about right now, but, uh, shingles slipped my mind. And oh, <laughs> I was so wow. conscious that, uh, that I forgot to uh, think about the fact that, you know, people actually get other things. So okay. uh, here we sit. Well, thank you for the reminder. Uh, yeah. I will go. I'll get that done. Yeah. Because I uh, please everything do. I've heard about shingle, shingles uh, uh, lets me know that I, that's something I do not want to have. Yeah. I, I've decided that actually Job uh, in the Bible had shingles. Yeah. That's what I, I think, think so. he actually had. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Curse God and die and all that stuff, you know, came to mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. But I'm good. Well, I, How are you doing? I'm doing all right, doing all right, physically doing fine. Uh, I've had stresses of a different kind. Mm. You know, we sold a house in Franklin, Tennessee. Right. Uh, we're having another one totally refurbished. I mean, uh, taken down to the studs and everything. Yeah. But, uh, an old home in Mount Pleasant, four doors down from where my daughter lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when we initially agreed to buy it, it was going to be ready to, for occupancy on the 1st of November, 2021. Oh, of course it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and then, it, you know, then yeah. it got pushed, you know, to maybe January. So we decided, but we'd, we'd contracted to sell the house in Franklin. Right. I had to live somewhere. Yeah. So, so we came down here to Amelia Island, Florida, where our son lives. Uh, and rented at not uh, a, a cheap rate. Yeah, I imagine not. Across yeah. the street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we figured we can, you know, we can handle that expense for, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of months, which became three months, uh, which now it looks like it's going to be five months. Oh, my gosh. So, so yeah. which has which has required me now to talk with my business manager to do stuff I absolutely hate, 
you know, you know, budgeting and cost cutting and renegotiating arrangements and figuring, you know, how to stay solvent so we can continue to live indoors. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so you have to talk about the M word. <laughs> oh, and I will tell you this. I will tell you this that uh, in recovery, it was far easier for me to talk about uh, porn and hookers. Oh God, than yeah, it, yeah. Than it was for me to finally, and I was ten years into recovery before I sought help with money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I could, you know, that I am solvent and that I can stay in this house in uh, a condominium in Florida right now is that I have help with money. Mm-hmm. I do have a, you know, I do have a business manager. I've got right. some, you know, I've got controls. I ha- I surrendered the idea. I uh, gave up on the idea that that money is something that I can handle on my own. Just, mm-hmm. I, I, and I'm, I'm over trying to understand why I have this inability. I've yeah. just accepted that it's there. Yeah. And the shame that goes oh. with talking about money is like, you know, I, like I, I, I'm like you, I would rather tell you, you know, ask me any other d- deeply personal detail and I'd probably have a yeah. whole lot easier time discussing it. Our, our guest today says there's a reason mm-hmm. for that. Yes. And it is a, it is a very illuminating conversation. So um, if you have money, use money, need money, uh, if money is at all a part of your life, you're going to want to listen to uh, the upcoming, uh, upcoming conversation when we return on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast, and our guest today is um, is unique for the podcast because typically we um, talk about people uh, in their substances, in their unwanted behaviors, compulsive behaviors, and recovery from those, and what they're doing in their own recovery uh, from that, and it usually involves... Uh, something to do with a uh, substance or a behavior. But today we're going to approach it a little differently. And our guest, Martin Cowart, is coming to us from uh, West Orange, New Jersey. And Martin is a person who deals uh, with money, <laughs> the sacred cow of money and um, our relationship to it. And Martin has a unique uh, approach to his uh, work with people, his work with recovering people, his work with the uh, LGBTQ community, particularly gay men and their rec- their um, their relationship with money uh, and recovery and spirituality and worthiness and all those things. And and so, Martin, uh, first of all, welcome to the podcast, and um, we're really glad you're here because we've not had a discussion with this many uh, dimensions. Uh, before, so uh, I'm I'm real excited uh, to have yeah, you. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here as well. This is very. I love the topic. Number one, you know, as a spiritual teacher and a prosperity mindset coach, working with gay, bi, and transgender men, uh, this topic of addiction and period and our addictive nature, the human addictive nature, is really my wheelhouse. This is what I love to talk Mm -hmm. about. So I wanted to say thank you so much for inviting me to come on and have this important conversation today about our addiction. Really what I think it comes down to is an addiction to pain and fear. Yeah. 
Yeah. And a man, uh, aren't they all? Um, and you've got a recovery story of your own. You didn't just like wake up one day and think <laughs> maybe, uh, you know, I'll, I'll reach out in this unique oh, way. Oh, yes, I do. I, I, I'll share a little bit of my, of my story of really letting go of my addiction. My bigger addiction was my addiction to, and my obsession with money. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, 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 I gave up alcohol probably, I think I gave up alcohol in shortly after my mother died. I believe that was in 2008, I believe. That's quite a number of years ago. And um, it, 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 what, what happened was when she died, I, I've been a drinker. I drank all my life. My, part, my family was real part, were party people in the South, as you know, mm -hmm. those kind of the cocktailers, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and really, I grew up with a belief system that said, if you don't drink, what do adults do to entertain themselves? Mm, yeah. So for me, drinking was a real social part of my life. It was what, and, and, and that's kind of how I identified myself as part mm -hmm. of like being a, a cocktail person, a party person. And mm -hmm. I, I wasn't like a, I, I wasn't drinking every single day in those days. I was really, but when my mother died, I went into a deep depression uh, and I just started drinking in a way that was very unhealthy. Mm. And so I, I had been in recovery before because I went through a depression a few years earlier than that. And I gave up alcohol because I thought, well, I'll do anything out of this depression. And I got through the depression and I decided just to stay in recovery for the rest of that year. And I did. And then I went back to moderately drinking. And I was fine with that for quite for a few years until my mother died. Mm. But when she died, I quickly went back into really uh, what I'd call alcoholic drinking. I was, I was mm -hmm. drinking to ease. I didn't want to feel the pain of the loss of my mother. Right. So I, uh, I, but I knew about AA, so I just decided I'm going to go back to AA. And this time I really understood what AA was. It wasn't mm. so much about alcohol. This was the problem I had in the beginning was uh, at first time was that people talked about all these alcohol stories that just did not relate to me. I right. didn't understand. I never did those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But when I went back for the second time, I realized it was really more of an addiction to myself. It was my, it was my addiction to my narcissistic need and basically feeling like I was unworthy. Mm. It was really a wor a worthiness issue. And as a mindset, prosperity mindset coach, I will tell you this. If people are struggling with money, people are struggling with anything really, mm -hmm. but I will say, I'm going to get to money for a second. But when people are struggling with money, it is a, it is a self-worth issue. Mm-hmm. It is always a self-worth issue. Mm. People don't always believe that. Mm -hmm. So my coaching program is always designed to teach people how to love themselves. Because if you can love yourself, which is what you learn in AA, if you learn to surrender your stuff to God, you can mm -hmm. have a, it's a, it's a, it's a 12 step program to self-love really. Right. So my entire coaching program is really designed around the same principle, the 12 steps of AA. It just deals with money and learning how to really, truly love yourself. Right. Because when you love yourself, you know you are worthy of all the beauty and all the love and all the benefits and all the joys of this life. Mm. Yeah. What is so? So what is the um, what's the impediment that we have to accepting worthiness about ourselves? Do you think? I think it has to do with being traumatized. Mm. As children, mm -hmm. as kids, and you know, because and, and and you know, you may not have grown up in an environment that was even that particularly that traumatizing, but but what we take on as little boys and little girls is very traumatizing. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in a very 
a party town, a party environment. My parents, my parents were really big cocktail party people also in the South. But I also grew up with something that was really traumatizing for me, and that was the, the trauma around money. Mm. My parents argued about money more than anything else. Oh, wow. My mother drove my poor, well, let me, let me back up a little bit. My great-grandfather actually was one of the wealthiest men in the South. And in 1918, he shot and killed his brother. Oh, my. Who was his business partner over money. Oh, God. So that was the beginning of the karma. Uh. And they had this great big old huge Southern house with columns and everything that just that my, my mother saw, I think, when she was when she met my father and thought, we're going to move into some real old Southern money. Well, there was no money. There was a big old house that we couldn't afford. <laughs> and it ended up, before it was all over, it ended up with the columns falling in the front yard. And we had to we had to move it to another place, and it has been restored since then. But that, there were, that was, the from my perspective, that was the beginning of the bad karma around money. Because mm. from that point on, money was not something that was a comfortable subject right. in our family. Wow. And I don't think my family ever really lived in that house the way it should have been lived in because of that, of that killing. He was, he was, he wasn't, it was a self-defense. Parents only saw it as self-defense and he wasn't, it wasn't even called to trial. But mm-hmm. the thing is that, that had happened. I mean, to kill your brother over money is traumatizing. I don't oh, care what, yeah. what you say about it, whether it was on, whether, how it happened. But then my great, my, my grandfather, his son, who went to college in the Stutz Bearcat, mm-hmm. committed suicide in his late sixties, broke. Okay. Wow. And then my mother and father argued about money all their life. And I thought to myself as a little boy, I don't want to get what my father's getting from my mother, that rage, that anger. Right. So I th- told myself, if you don't make money, Martin, you're not worthy. Mm. If you're not a rich, I'm, I, I, made a, I made a vow. I was going to be rich and successful so that I would be lovable. So that I'd be worthy of love. Mm. That's what I That was a belief that I took on as a child. So I hope that answers you. That was the impediment, yeah. that trauma of, um, of, of thinking that I had better make money or I'm not going to be worthy of anything. Mm. And I really, until in most of my life, adult, I really did believe people who didn't make money were a little less than people who made money. Mm. Yeah. That was, that was in my, and I bet you a lot of people do, and particularly in the gay community. Mm-hmm. Because we're we're also traumatized as a gay man. We're traumatized by the fact that we're not normal boys. Mm-hmm. We don't know we're gay. We're too little. We're too young. We don't, we're not really having any kind of sexual excitement those days. Mm-hmm. But we do know we're not like every. We know we're not like normal boys. We know we don't. We, there are things we just like. We, we're different. Right. Right. And and I say that we often have maybe more feminine qualities, which I think which I think actually where our power is as adults, but we'll mm. get into that later maybe. <laughs> but the reality is, you have to ask your question, is we're traumatized. Mm-hmm. And as gay men, we are, so the, the number one issue is someone is around self-worth is always, almost always, whether you're straight or gay, is going to be focused around money. Mm. People worry more about money than anything else. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, they spend more time worrying about money and comparing their their checkbook to the neighbor's checkbook. And I don't care how much you have. I was a wealth manager making really good money at one time in my life before I had this big problem, before I had this big shift. But um, I don't care how much you make. If you make if you if you can if, if, if you have a scarcity mindset and you fly around in the world in a G4, you're you don't feel like you have enough money to drop to fly a G5. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like you have enough. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And we could design, and I was a wealth manager making good money back in the, when, when all this thing happened. 
And I, that's what I did. I was a wealth manager for a Fortune 100 financial services firm. And I had my big shift in the world when I really let go of my obsession with money. Mm-hmm. But I got there. I wanted to get there to prove to my mother I was worthy of love. So I was yeah. driven by fear to become a top producer in a Fortune 100, Fortune 100 financial services firm with a fabulous office on Park Avenue, two doors down for the managing director. And I was miserable. Wow. <laughs> because of my imposter syndrome telling me, you're just not worthy. You're not, you're not worthy of this office. You're not worthy to make this kind of money. Mm-hmm. And if anybody finds out what you're about, you're going to be, you're going to lose it all. Mm. Yeah. They knew I was gay but because they hired me because I was gay. I thought they hired me because I was gay. They hired me because they wanted my market share, which I'll talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. But that leads me up to my bigger addiction. And that was where I realized that in 2016, when I thought Hillary Clinton was going to be our president, and she is a friend of mine. I got to know Hillary when I worked at Ground Zero after 9-11. Mm-hmm. And she's a wonderful person. She's a she's truly a servant leader. Most people don't really. She, she Unfortunately, she gives up her power by <laughs> by mm. trying to 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 lead with her with with, with masculine principles. Uh, when she leads with her feminine principles of, of care and vulnerability and collaboration and support, she's fabulous. Mm-hmm. But I think like most women in trying to compete in the world, she would try to bring on these more these harder edged, more masculine uh, power dynamics that actually hurt her. Mm-hmm. But she is really, truly, I'll just tell you, she's a really wonderful, 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 true servant leader. And I just, and I, so I knew she, I thought for sure she's going to be our next president. We were going to move on to the next, we were, we were going to keep evolving into a bigger universe. Right. But unfortunately she didn't win and we got, and Trump won. Mm-hmm. And when Trump won the presidency, I went into a dark, dark night of the soul. You and many. <laughs> me and many. Yeah. Me and many. Yeah. Me and many. And I was in so much fear and so much panic and so much just, I mean, I was literally paralyzed by fear. Like my therapist said, Martin, you don't just have a fear of money. You are traumatized by money. Mm. You are terrorized by money. So when all this stuff that I had worked so hard for started coming in, I went into a real Tailspin. And actually, within a few months, some of my friends who are bankruptcy attorneys said, Martin, you could declare bankruptcy and you could end all this stuff if you wanted to. Wow. And I thought, well, I guess I could do that. And I called Teresa. So I'm, so I'm at home one day having a pity party. I met every alcoholic that had a pity party, right? You're right. Yeah. You know, we, right. we have all we have all uh, spent an afternoon or a day or two or a few days, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on our sofa or in our bed, feeling sorry for ourselves. And right. Feeling and I and I and, and, and I was because I was I had gone I was so close to bankruptcy. I think I'd had my BMW repossessed, and that was embarrassing. Yeah. You know, to get your BMW repossessed and go to the t- detention center for repossessed cars and get your black. BMW, and I felt like <laughs> that's a, a loser. A little imposter syndrome attached to that, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, my God, this is miserable. So I'm over here one day having this pity party, and um, miserable. And I call my my therapist and spiritual teacher Teresa, who's been helping me through a lot of things. And she I explained to me, she said, "Well, Martin, I don't, I don't suggest you declare bankruptcy because that's just going to that won't cure the problem. That might." That might make you feel better and might relieve some pain, but that's not going to solve the issue. Mm. And she told me what you're going to have to do is what you're going to, what you had to do years ago with around alcohol. You're going to have to surrender this to God. Wow. You're going to have to get on your hands and knees and surrender this to God. Mm-hmm. So I did. 
Yeah. I knew what she was talking about. I've been a, I've been a contemplative and I've been a, I've been a mystic for 40 years. And so yeah. I, I have a deep relationship with my intimate self. And now mm-hmm. I call her Joy the Wise Woman now. But this is how I met Joy the and got really close to Joy the Wise Woman was, was this, this story I'm going to tell you. So I'm having this big pity party here one day and I call her on the phone and she tells me, well, you can surrender it. And I thought, well, I don't have anything else to do. I'm at my, <laughs> my last rope. I might as well surrender this. Yeah. And so I got on, I did what she said. I got on my hands and knees and I literally said, God, I have, I, I, I take full responsibility. So I didn't, I did this to myself. I have, I have, I don't know how I did it, why I did it, but I can tell you right now, I'll take full responsibility and I don't, I am broke. I am miserable. I feel shame. I am a wealth manager who can't even pay his mortgage. I don't know how I got, I don't know how I get it, but I got myself here and I'm here to ask for your help. I am I am here to fully surrender this to you, God, because I know you love me. Wow. I know you love me and I know that you want me to feel joy again in mm. my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to be miserable. I'm here to experience joy. Mm-hmm. I'm here to experience abundance and, and, and excitement in life. Yeah. And I can't feel any of that right now because I am so miserable. And that's why I'm here, God, on my hands and knees begging for your help. So, wow. And this is going to sound a little cheesy, but this is the absolute truth. All of a sudden, I felt this sense of power come into my body and peace and calm and love. It was like I was being wrapped by the arms of the universe, by God. Wow. Wow. And not a, not a voice in the, in the terms of like I heard a voice, but mm-hmm. a, a deep knowing came up in me and said, mm-hmm. None of this stuff matters, Martin. None of the things that you worry so much about matters. It doesn't matter that you make a lot of money. It doesn't matter that you're successful. It doesn't matter that you have a fancy car. It doesn't matter that you are a top producer in this firm. All this stuff that you worry so much about, none of it matters. Mm -hmm. The only thing that matters is that you show up with love and gratitude. Wow. I will do the rest. I, meaning I, your divine presence is talking to you right now. Mm-hmm. And that, I, that, I, at that moment, I named her joy. Wow. That's great. I felt so much joy and relief in my life. Mm. And I finally realized what people were coming to me for as, as a wealth manager was they all wanted financial freedom. Mm-hmm. But what they, what they wanted was the financial freedom that I had discovered, which is the, was the resolution of the conflict in me that I was unworthy. Mm-hmm. So that was what led me to become a coach. Wow. Because I have I've had 20 years of experience as a shadow work facilitator doing something with with leading work over 40 workshops in the Mankind Project. So I've got 20 years of understanding shadow. And what shadow is, is moving, looking at those parts of ourselves we hide, repress, and deny in a safe environment so that we get to know and love those parts of ourselves so we can become more whole and complete human beings. Well, friends, David and I are pleased to welcome to the podcast a new sponsor, Soberlink. And we're positive that you're going to love this tool for managing your alcohol recovery. In early sobriety, we often focus on what we're losing instead of what we're gaining. Soberlink, you're gaining increased accountability, a deterrent against drinking, 
and a tool to help you stay connected with people who care. Uh, here's what it is. It's a really high-tech breathalyzer device with facial recognition. It allows you to share your sobriety in real time with loved ones. In case there's ever a slip, your treatment professional or anyone else you've chosen to be in your recovery circle will know immediately. Uh, more important than the technology is the brand. It is part of Soberlink's mission to break the stigma that surrounds addiction, which is why they partner with Positive Sobriety Podcast and many others in the recovery community. It's also why they specifically focus on using alcohol monitoring as a recovery tool, not for criminal or recreational purposes. There, any, there isn't anything like it on the market. Well, together we've developed a guide called Tips for Keeping a Positive Outlook on Sobriety. And you can download it at www.soberlink.com PSP. That PSP is for Positive Sobriety Podcast. On that page, you'll also find a form to request $50 off your purchase when you're ready to try Soberlink. Because when we become whole and complete human beings, then we have a, we have a heart. We're connected to our divine presence, who I now call Joy the Wise Woman, and I have a very deep relationship with her today. Mm -hmm. And I have a podcast called Speaking the Truth About Money with Martin Coward and Joy the Wise Woman, where I talk a lot about this stuff. But that's the reality. That was when, and so when 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 that happened, that was when I gave up my finally gave up control of money. And my obsession with money and my obsession with success uh, and being and being important. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and that comes down to just my old narcissistic need, which is what all alcoholics have. And what anybody who's got an addiction is an addiction to yourself, an addiction to the pain and the fear we feel as a human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what opened up that. And that's why I became a spiritual teacher and, 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 and I mean, 40 years of sitting on a, on, a, on a cushion as a Christian contemplative and understanding the wisdom teachings of Jesus is what I talk about, which is really people, people really have a confusion. Most of Americans, most Christians today, mm -hmm. and this is changing, thank God, because mm -hmm. we've undercovered some new texts and we've gotten a new a newer understanding of it. And we've got some wonderful Christian mystics today, like the Reverend Cynthia Beaujau, who's teaching a lot about the wisdom teachings of Jesus, et cetera. Right. And what we're talking about here is we, as a Christian uh, as a as a spiritual teacher is really on the wisdom teachings of Jesus when he talks about the kingdom of heaven mm -hmm. is at hand. He is talking about what we call today the quantum field. Mm, okay. It's what I call financial heart space. It's not a place we go when we die. Yeah, okay. It is it is it is at hand. It is a higher level of of of, of consciousness and awareness of who we are now. Mm-hmm who we really are. Right. And we are divine. Mm -hmm. We are life. It's not my life. I don't own my life. Mm -hmm. You don't own your, it's like we, we owned it. We, we didn't decide w when we're going to come here and we don't decide when we're going to leave and we don't control one thing. Right. And when you totally surrender this notion that we control our lives and just know that life is living through us, we are life. I am that divine creative force that we're all living, dancing, and breathing in. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And when you become clear about that, when you become aware of our nature, of our true nature, then we have the power to begin to change the world. Yeah. Wow. To the truth. Yeah. That we live in a world of abundance. We live in a world of infinite resources. And when we live, and then we can, and then when we know who we are, our purpose for living becomes so clear that we're here to do something. Mm-hmm. It's going to make a difference in the world. And when you're living by that North Star and you're going guided by divine intervin, in, inter, um, intuition, which I call the joy of the wise woman, everything will line up to support you mm-hmm. because it comes from the universe. It comes from God. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 the beauty of recovery. Yeah. Yeah. We're recovering from this addiction, this belief that we're this separate, alone human being in this body disconnected from the divine presence. And when we give up our addictions to alcohol or money or sex or anything else that we're addicted to, Mm -hmm. we can reconnect to our divine presence and we begin to live a life that just unfolds so much easier and so much easier and so much more fun and so much more exciting. Oh, Just by saying yes to God. Mm. Well, Martin, when people come to me, they think alcohol is their problem or they think a behavior is their problem or a substance, a pill or a whatever. When people come to you and they think that money is their problem or that not saving or spending or being compulsive is their problem, um, how jarring is it when you pull out the whole worthiness, spiritual connection? <laughs> well, I I mean, well, you know, the, the, the thing about being a coach is you got to connect with people where they are right right and that's why i enjoy the 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 shows like this i could just i can just talk about what i believe what what i believe in you know right right but when i got a real coat when i got a real person they're usually coming to me to help them solve some problem Mm -hmm. and one of these problems are always they're stuck in something right they're maybe they're an entrepreneur who is stuck at in their head, really, mm-hmm. they're stuck above the neck and they cannot, they've been making a hundred thousand dollars all year for, 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 the, for the last five years. They're bored. They really want to, they want to live a life of significance and they just feel that they can't get anywhere because they're only making so much money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I said, well, let's see, we can, res- let's see what's standing in your way to the truth of why you're not making money. Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you something, if whatever's happening in the external world is simply a reflection of what's going on inside us, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. resolve the inner conflicts and you will resolve the outer conflicts by themselves. Mm-hmm. So I, I explained to them, I said, the reason you're not making, the reason the outer world is not showing up the way you want it to is because you've got an inner conflict with yourself about that's not true. Mm-hmm. And we call that the shadow belief. And the shadow belief is always going to be some form of I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. So this is how I approach it. I say, so what we're going to do is we're going to find out where did you get this in your lifetime as a child? Like I learned it from hearing my parents argument. You don't make none. You're not good enough for love. Mm-hmm. Where did you learn? Where is the core place that you learned this belief in yourself, this shadow's belief that you're somehow unworthy, you're somehow not good enough? Mm-hmm. Because we can go down to that place and we can reshape that. And it, it, you look at it as an adult mm-hmm. with compassion and empathy. And say, what does that little boy need? What does that little girl need to know from you as the adult? 
Mm-hmm. Because they're making up a story that they're not lovable. Mm-hmm. So if we can go back and we can let you as an adult see yourself uh, as a child, with I have some processes to do this, regression, look at where did that story come from, then you can reframe the story for a more positive outcome. Mm-hmm. Basically, you can reframe the story from the lie of the shadow belief that you're not worthy to the truth that you are very worthy and you are a divine child of God, mm-hmm. capable of having a wonderful life. And you are wor- certainly worthy of everything just because you be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is that, um, I, I mean, maybe it's like uh, what I'm hearing you say is that fearful child that lives in all of us when it even yes. comes to money. We're letting the nine-year-old drive the bus in a lot of ways. We are. We are. Let, I, we are letting that. I was letting that nine-year-old boy that hurt his parent drive out of fear mm-hmm. make all my decisions and and make for me. And, and so, I, so I took I took careers, I took jobs that I thought were going to make me rich and successful and important. Mm-hmm. Like I became an accountant for guys. I'm the worst. <laughs> I became a CPA. I studied accountant. Why? Because accountants were 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 were, were considered. Wealthy, important parts of society. I'm a terrible accountant, and it was boring as hell. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I can tell you, I did all these things to create a false self, a persona that would be loved and be able to fit into this world. Mm-hmm. And we do that as gay men. We do that even bigger. I mean, mm. how many gay men I can talk to you that are, that are maybe even CEOs of corporations who have given up so much more to prove they're worthy of those positions in those corporations than their straight counterparts. And then Mm. they begin to resent it Mm -hmm. because they think I have to work harder, smarter, and more uh, than to prove I'm worthy as the straight guys, because they're the only ones who really matter. Mm -hmm. We were taught this as kids, you know? Mm -hmm. So we have to unpack that myth. We have to unpack that lie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then we, as we unpack it, not only do we unpack the lie, but we say, okay, well, where is your, where is your power? Your power is in that exciting, titillating, creative energy that we feel when we are attracted to another man. Mm-hmm. That same creative power, I don't mean you have to have sex, but I mean that same creative spark of life is, comes on fire. Mm-hmm. When we're in our own, what I call our authentic queer nature, mm-hmm. would you so, say, Martin? Like, what about um, uh, heterosexual people that would equate that same uh, emotion with their attraction to someone of the opposite sex? Would they? I would say it's it's exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and 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 so what happens with men? I think in our culture is they begin to objectify women. Ah. Yeah, and so women become something that they can project on to get their needs met. Mm-hmm. Now, with women, and I don't know a lot about the interiors. Women, I'm not. I, I don't, I'm going to go out on a limb. But, but what women <laughs> that I know have been taught that those deep sexual feelings of pleasure are wrong. Right. Right. They shouldn't feel those things. Yeah. So they repress those. But if you if you look at people like my coach Kelly Kelly Roach, who is a beautiful, she was a she was a cheerleader, and when she comes on stage, she's she's leading women into being women. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, sexy, smart, 
leaning into those feminine qualities of, of, of becoming powerful leaders in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're doing it by leaning into being women. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing the same thing by leading, by teaching gay men to be gay men and mm-hmm. proud gay men, feel into those wonderful attributes that come with being a gay man. Mm-hmm. Cause that's who you are. And so a lot of what my coaching is about is about always removing those stories we make up about ourselves that says we're not. Because when we remove the obstacle, the truth is revealed. Right. And when we see somebody come to that place of acceptance of themselves and their world and their circumstances, their reality, their truth, and then what is the shift that you begin to see financially for them? Oh, that's a very good question. Well, first of all, it's it's a it's a shift in how they see themselves first. Mm-hmm. They begin to see themselves as as powerful, loving people, mm-hmm. men and women. Mm-hmm. So when you begin to see yourself as a powerful, loving, creative human person, entity, being, then also your relationship to God changes. Right. Because God is no longer this judging thing like my mother saying, if you don't make money, you're not worthy enough. You don't do this. You don't like the old, the old stories of, 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 of we all learned in Sunday school about morals and shit. Uh, excuse <laughs> the word. But so we this. begin to realize that the God that created us is actually not some, some, some kind of mythical figure out there that we have to kind of appease. Yeah. But actually, we realize that God is within ourselves mm-hmm. and that loves us and we create us exactly as we are. Mm-hmm. So that's the second thing. And then also, to answer your question, you begin to see the world through the lens of something that comes from abundance and prosperity. Mm-hmm. So then you're able to float into the world knowing that you're one, you're powerful, you're creative, you're loved by your creator, and you live in a world with infinite resources to support you in your mission in the world. Mm-hmm. So then they begin to actually allow they they allow themselves to receive money for what they do. Now remember mm-hmm. something: we've helped them through the trauma. Mm-hmm. People, most people who were traumatized, which all of us were, gay or straight, doesn't matter, mm-hmm. to some level, we fear money because mm-hmm. of those traumas. Money was used as a as a weapon of reward and punishment, it was particularly used for gay people. I mean, I, I mean, I have mm-hmm. had friends. You probably know people too that have, that have maybe perhaps been cut off from from funds from their family or, or sure. excommunicated from their family and their loved ones because they were gay. Yeah, absolutely. That's traumatizing. Mm-hmm. That's traumatizing. Yeah. So why would you? So at a subconscious level, which is why we have to go down and work at the shadow level. So kind of you don't, you might think I want more money because it's going to give me this, but at the subconscious level, it's like, don't, I don't want anything to do with money. It's just too damn painful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we just ignore maybe our responsibility in that. Uh, I love that word. Respond. We, 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 yes. Once we, we, we can hang a lot of stuff on those things we identify that keep us from being responsible for our lives, whether that's, whether that's addiction to money, whether that's addiction to this, whether it's, but when we finally get down to the truth of who we are and we finally mm-hmm. accept responsibility for our lives and what we've done, everything changes. Mm-hmm. Then you have the creative ability to begin to bring money into your life, to live the life you want of your dreams. 
mm-hmm. live the life you want to live because mm-hmm. you deserve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the world is moving that way. The, the We are moving. We are, we are in a very exciting cosmic shift in, 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 in history, in time, in human evolution. Mm-hmm. We are moving away from what I call the old scarcity mindset, the old scarcity economy, the old me, 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 the old male dominated for power. I got to have this. I got to, I got to, I got to do everything I can. Is it, is it a finite amount of money out there? Is it a finite amount of stuff? And I better claw my way all the time, beat everybody up and do whatever I can to get my share or, I, or, 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 or I'm not going to be enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a miserable, destructive way of living. Mm-hmm. And it's just a mindset. It's just a belief system. That's yeah. a shadow. It doesn't exist. So when we're able to let go of that and actually feel our way into a higher level of consciousness of abundance and prosperity and love and truth, everything changes. Yeah. Are you seeing any difference, Martin, in generational um, relationships to these things, to money, to values? Because I had a client yesterday um, who might have been 21 and um, we were talking about this very thing about um, the fact that yeah, his father is very successful, very ambitious, done really well, you know, big business, blah, blah, blah. This kid, and maybe it's because he's been raised in a certain amount of privilege. I don't know. But this kid is going, I don't I don't want to live under that because I see what it did to my dad. If I opened a coffee shop, I think I'd be fine, you know. Um, and, and I really want to live out of a different space, um, where the things that are important to me, I have time to embrace, um, yeah. you know, are you seeing this in younger people? Is well, this- I, I, think, I, I, I don't know if I could categorize it as an age thing, but I do mm-hmm. think that younger people are more accepting of things that are outside the box, let's say. Right. I mean, I grew up, I'm, I'm 67, I was born in 1954, and things were kind of like, this is the way the world works. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a, it's straight white male privilege, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And don't ever, don't squander that, Martin, because you, you, if, you, if you do, you know, you, you're, you're born of privilege and you better use it and you better be important. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you have a thing. To, and so I think you, maybe you, you, you guy is, um, is, is somewhat retaliating in a way I just be careful is I think that what, sometimes we that scarcity mindset can show up in a lot of different ways mm. so so what he what he what I heard that he is traumatized by his father right around the success mm-hmm. so the point where he's like I don't want success in my life look what it did to my father yeah yeah that's a great point so yeah. I don't want I don't want success in my life I'm just gonna make open a coffee shop and just kind of you won't be fulfilled mm-hmm. unless you just have a pat. I opened a coffee shop one time and it was a lot of fun. But <laughs> and, and, and I would say if, if, he, if he comes at it from a place, if he came at it, I have really had this passion for opening a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Then I would listen. Right. But if he's opening a coffee shop out of retaliation for the trauma of his father and what his father had to do, I'd have him take a look at that. Yeah. Yeah. And say, what are you really afraid of? What are you really resisting? What is your real trauma here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and let him sort of, because you don't, from what you told me, I don't think we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, if it was me working with him, I would go down a little deeper and say, what do you, what is it you, what is, if that's not, 
if you don't want to be your father, what do who are you and what do you want to do? Yeah, and that's and that's a big question, and there's a whole lot of that in this story. But um, but yeah, it uh, I think that's that that it goes back to what you said earlier. It's about our relationship to ourselves. It's all about a relationship to ourselves. You know, all of my programs, all my coaching programs, everything I do is about a path to self-love. Mm-hmm. The 12 step program is a path to self-love. Yeah. Sometimes Buddha calls it enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Jesus called it the kingdom of heaven. I call mm-hmm. it financial heart space. When we get into the heart space, when we get into the popular word today is the quantum field, mm-hmm. which is a spectrum of light mm-hmm. energy. Mm-hmm. And our, our, our little binary brains don't even understand infinity. It doesn't understand an infinite spectrum of life. It only understands this and a that, a right and a wrong, a good or a bad. Mm-hmm. And we need that to navigate in the world, but that's not how the world is, is actually running. It's really, we're creating and we're living in a spectrum of light, love, light, energy. that mm-hmm. transcends the understanding of the human mind. Mm-hmm. But do you find that it's disruptive to people when they begin to make that shift because all of a sudden they're they're not just living um, you know in a new frame of mind for themselves they're living counterculturally um, in many ways. Well, I think yes, it is disrupting, but it's disrupting in a good way. Right, right. Because you're no longer you you are a I like disruptors. Right. I guess what I'm asking is, are people uh, and I'm sure you are, but are people prepared for the the disruption that that kind of shift does? Because I remember even just with sobriety alone, you know, it's like holy shit, nobody told me how disruptive this was. Once I started to feel things, change my perspectives, embrace truth about myself that I didn't want to know or believe, you know, all that yeah, stuff. I, I mean, I, I, exactly. That's why my programs, all my programs, my coaching programs are all 12 months long. Cause it, it's a process. It's an unpeeling of, 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 of layers and layers of, of shadow and of, of, of things we put over our hearts mm-hmm. to keep us from the truth. So when we finally begin to get little peaks of the truth, it's like, oh my God, it can, it, it, you, you probably have seen people break down in just sobs of tears in Absolutely. AA meetings because Absolutely. they finally realize how beautiful and loving they are and how much they've used themselves for so many years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's very emotionally, uh, Disruptive, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's, mm-hmm. But but that's why it's so important that in AA you've got a sponsor. That's why it's so important in the world you've got a coach, someone mm-hmm. to help you through that disruption. Yeah. Well, tell me about you mentioned mankind earlier, and I know you have programs. Uh, tell me about what some of these things are that people can avail themselves to. Well, the, the Mankind Project is something that I've been involved. It came out probably 40 years ago. It was started by a Marine and two psychotherapists, and it was, it was called the, the Wild Man Weekend. And what they did was they, they, they pulled together some things from, from, uh, from Iron John, which is, um, I can't think of his name, Robert Bly's work. They pulled some stuff from the Native American Indians around, uh, around uh, sacred space and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then most importantly, they created a weekend on the hero's journey from the myth, from, from the work of, of of Joseph Campbell. Mm -hmm. And what that, what they have is they have a flagship weekend where they take you on a transformational experience called the hero's journey, where you are 
where you're basically let go of stuff. And I used to, and we look at our shadows. We look at, we do some, we do some, we do some stuff to help us unlock the truth, if you will. Mm -hmm. And we do it by creating a container of love and wait. The real program is a way for men to truly love each other. Mm. And so I had the privilege of being involved with that organization for, for 20 years. And I was, and I've helped facilitate about 40 workshops. And that's where I learned what's called shadow work. And shadow work is known as, it's just really looking at those parts of ourselves we hide, repress, and deny so that we can include them. They're the parts we don't like about ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you get someone like Donald Trump, we can project all our negativity on that person. Mm-hmm. But when we really look at that and say, wait a minute, that's just an opportunity to, re- to have a reflection of, if I don't like that part about you, it's because I don't, I don't like that part about myself. Mm, yeah. Everything is a projection and a reflection. <clears throat> right. So what, what, what those, those people become gifts in our lives because, and that's what the man, and that's what shadow work is. And that's what the mankind project is. And it's a great organization for men to, it's, it's right now not doing too many weekends because of the COVID and we get right. close to each other. So we can't do that right now, Yeah. but that's a great organization. And that's where I learned learn how to become a really good master at, at facilitating shadow work. Wow. Well, before we have to get away, tell us how we can contact you, how people who are interested in maybe availing themselves. I'm sure you must work virtually as well with people. I do. Oh, I, I'm always happy to tell you. I love people to contact me. The easiest, the simplest way to find me is on Facebook or LinkedIn. Okay. By the name Martin Coward. Okay. That is the easiest way to find me. Okay. Ask me to be your friend, send me a direct message, tell me you tell them that you heard me on your show and that you'd like to find out more. And I would be delighted to respond to your direct message and say, yes, I, we'll, we'll hook up a Zoom call. And if you're interested, I'll, we'll find some time to find out what's going on in your life to see how I can help you. Yeah. But the simplest way is just to go to my Facebook group, Martin Cowart, or go to my LinkedIn page, Martin Cowart which tells you a little bit about who I am, what I do. And then you can just send me a direct message and very simply and say, I saw you, heard you on a podcast and I like what you had to say. And I want to know more. Can we possibly talk? I'd, I'd be delighted. Yeah. And you also do speaking. You can be, um, I guess, recruited <laughs> to come out and. I can go, I, I can go and give it. I love, I'm a public speaker. Yeah, I, I do do some public speaking. I love public speaking. I love being, I love motivating people around this topic, inspiring people. So you can, you can contact me about that. If you want me to come and talk, I also have a podcast. Yeah. As I said earlier, my pod, I think that's where you heard me. That's right. how you got me on your show. Cause you heard mm-hmm. my podcast. I have a podcast called speaking the truth about money with Martin Coward and joy, the wise woman. Um, Joy the wise woman I introduced earlier is my divine presence that right. comes on, on and she's the one that everybody has a joy the wise woman, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the reason yeah. why I bring it, make it so simple because everybody has a joy the wise woman in them. Uh, so that's another way you can listen to my podcast and you can get to know me there. Um, and uh, those are the simplest, the quickest and the easiest, you know? Yeah. I do have a Facebook group. I have two Facebook groups, actually. I have one that's called the Financial Mystic Sanctuary. That's for everybody. You, anybody can join that where you want to get some spiritual teaching and some things. Mm-hmm. But I have a, but I, I'm really committed to to serving uh, the gay, bi, and trans male population with shadow work. That's what I know is my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And I have a Facebook group called Financial Heart Space for Gay, Transgender, and Bisexual Men on Facebook. If you want to, you can join that. And I do I, every week. I do a free teaching. I, I, I'm really all in there about teaching men how to get out of their way so they can live lives of making money. Mm. I mean, I'm a coach. I'm a, yeah. I'm a prosperity yeah. coach. So when there, I teach you how to move all these shadow beliefs 
and all these limits we have about ourselves so that you can actually see the truth of who you are and begin to actually manifest a world that you enjoy living in. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's great. Martin, thank you so much for being a guest today. I I have enjoyed this. I could talk to you for another hour and a half, but <laughs> unfortunately, I don't have another hour and a half and neither do you, but um, but it's been so good. And, and your light and your enthusiasm and your heart um, for what you're communicating, I mean, it comes through in, in spades. I mean, it's it's wonderful to experience your energy. And so I appreciate you sharing your story with us. But more than that, I appreciate you sharing this um, this path with us today. So we uh, we appreciate having you here. Well, I, I've had a ball and I appreciate you giving me this platform to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. And that is trench. And that is my mission is to create a world of abundance and prosperity for everyone to to dance and live and enjoy particularly starting with the gay with with the gay community so right thank you well man thank you so much and listeners we will be right back here on the positive sobriety podcast welcome back to the positive sobriety podcast i nate i enjoyed talking to martin cowart on a number of levels. Um, first of all, you know, his, his own recovery story and Mm -hmm. kind of how that played out in his own financial, um, uh, circumstances and so forth. I love the fact that he's working with a particular population that deals with a lot of shame many Mm -hmm. times. And I love the fact that he talks about money in terms of, um, our, our worthiness, um, and how, we perceive ourselves and that really being a reflection of how we treat our financial uh, yeah. uh, parts yeah. of our lives. Yeah. 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 It, it gave me, uh, you know, I, I, I was sorry that I wasn't able to directly participate in that conversation, but um, listening to it mm-hmm. sent my thinking in a lot of directions and I can see, you know, perhaps, as my shame uh-huh. uh, has been radically reduced during recovery uh-huh. uh, and uh, you know, my self-perception has changed, you know, there may come a day when I, I will be able to take greater responsibility for my own, you know, financial management. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it was interesting talking to him after the recording ended because, mm-hmm. um, I was just sharing some different things with him. And um, one of the things that I have known for a long time is my, my um, scarcity mentality Yeah, uh, impacts all these other areas of my life. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I take on more clients in a particular day than I probably should because right. I had a cancellation or two earlier in the week and I want to make up for it. And yeah. there's always not going to be enough. And, yeah. Um, therefore I don't take care of myself and go exercise because I'm going in earlier and staying later and right. that becomes a habit. So then I'm not eating well. So I don't, I go home and grab crap that's fast and easy to have because right. I have this scarcity mentality that I'm going to work 10 hours a day instead of 
you know, limiting oh. myself to what I need and believing that that's going to yeah. be enough. And so anyway, he and I unpacked a lot of that just from the standpoint of just how your scarcity mentality, the idea that there isn't enough um, and that I'm not okay unless yeah. I, you know, produce um, yeah. impacts all these other areas of your life because you're just on the hamster wheel and you can't take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow. it's very helpful. I, I have all the respect in the world for what Martin's doing. And I love the idea that he's uh, serving a population that he is um, engaged in and passionate about. And mm. um, so I was very, very grateful to have him join us. So I hope our folks uh, can take advantage of some of his um, opportunities as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what a great conversation. What a great episode. But hey, before we wrap this time together, do remind us about uh, uh, BetterHelp, will you? Yeah, absolutely. We are very happy to have BetterHelp.com as a sponsor of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And we are positive that you can benefit from the help Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at uh, BetterHelp.com and log in with BetterHelp.com slash Positive Sobriety and receive a discount on your initial subscription and also helps us know that these resources help you. But BetterHelp exists to give you the opportunity to seek out a trained, licensed therapist in the privacy of your own home, uh, office, wherever it is you feel uh, safe and comfortable to talk and share with someone. And you can have uh, the same uh, therapist uh, over a a long period of time and establish the same relationship you would with any other uh, therapist that you might meet in person. And they're there and trained to help you with everything from your uh, generalized anxiety to depression, to feeling stuck, to vocational challenges, to um, anything that's interrupting you and your relationships and and getting in the way of you, uh, you know, uh, taking care of yourself and, and feeling like you uh, are moving forward in your life with your own life goals. So uh, contact BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash Positive Sobriety and take advantage of this opportunity. All right. Awesome. Well, I guess it's uh, that's it for this week. As always, you can reach us at Positive Sobriety Podcast at gmail.com. Send along any reaction to anything you've heard on the podcast, any suggestions for upcoming guests. Uh, we really thrive on and appreciate the feedback. Okay, well, until next time then, I'm Nate. And I'm David. And we are your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe by <laughs> Kathy Gifford.